I love those moments, those special moments. As we pray for those that head out, man, it's awesome that two are headed to serve our country and for our freedoms. It's, that's just an honor and a special time to have. I know my Monroe area, uh, Appalachia, I think, graduated Thursday, Wanda Bear Friday, and Monroe area this Friday, this coming up Friday. You got one more week. Anybody ready for that week to be over? Oh, I got a few in the room that's ready. They're they looking, looking forward to counting down to the days. Listen, now, we're going to be on a topic today that's pretty appropriate, you know, coming into graduation day, and it's, I've entitled it um, Purpose and Meaning of Life. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was graduating high school, I told Drew back there before we met today, I said, man, all I thought about was cars and girls and sports. Pretty much that order, okay? But that's all I had on my mind when I was that age. If you were to ask me, what do you plan on doing with your life? I was like, I don't know. I don't have any clue what I want to do with my life. How many of you knew when you graduated high school exactly what you were going to do and you're doing it? Okay, only a few of you. Some of you, you plan out things. All right, that's good. But not all of us are that way, were we? We, we were just like, man, I'm just glad I'm out of school. And, you know, you think you're wanting to get out of school, but then you go on and you got that next step or, or serving. But it's... It's a, it's a challenging time. It's a transition time. It's one of those times, you know, even this past week, uh, we had a pre-K graduation for my five-year-old grandson. And I'm like, man, they put the cap and gown on him. I'm like, wow, I didn't know they did this. But he walked out there with a little cap and gown on. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready for this. You know, I'm not emotionally ready for this kind of stuff. But, yeah, it is a transition in life. It really is a transition as they move on. But guess what? You know, parents, I'm going to encourage you with this. You know, for several years there, I've raised four there from 19 to 29 years old, okay? Three boys and a girl. I hadn't just raised them. My wife's been the one, and I'm the backup plan, okay? But she's been the real key in the rock. But I, I'm the backup plan. But, you know, I've learned this. There's a time where they have to individuate, and there's a time where they're going to think, that you don't know nothing, that you're, you're just crazy. You're cray-cray, man. You know nothing. And then there's going to come a time when they get through all of that, and as uh, I believe it was Harry's, some of his family members said, they had to get over Fool's Hill, is what he called it, to get over Fool's Hill. And when they get there to that point, they will finally wake up and smell the roses and go, you know what, my mom and dad were not as dumb as I thought they were. They actually are smart, and they are actually, they know a little bit, and, and so you become, you become very wise at that point, and it, it gets better. And then they give you grandkids, and that's wonderful, amazing. Everybody knows all about that in the room that, that has experienced it. But today, what we're going to look at is, I'm going to give you, it's kind of an overview in a book on the purpose and meaning of life, but it's the book in the middle of the Bible called the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, you might have not have read out of this book too often before, but the book of Ecclesiastes is pretty well given. The author is, uh, was a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon was a man that was considered the wisest man to ever live. He asked for one thing when it came to asking from God. God said, if there's one thing that I can give you, what would you want? 
And Solomon asked for wisdom. And so God granted him wisdom. And according, other than Jesus Christ, now we'll take Jesus was God who became man. So take Jesus out of that equation. Who was the wisest man to ever live? And the Bible tells us it was Solomon. Now I know some of you are thinking, no man, it couldn't have been him. He had, a, he had a thousand wives. There ain't no way he was wise if he had that many wives. I know that's what some of you are thinking, right? Well, the Bible is very clear. He had the wisdom. And we're going to see in this text here that he starts this book in Ecclesiastes with saying these words. Verse 1, chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So what does this word mean, vanity? It means, it means futile. It means meaningless. The NIV, I think, actually uses the word meaningless. So what Solomon is starting this whole book about is laying a foundation for us is this, is that life is meaningless unless you know what your purpose is in life. Unless you know why God has you here and what the meaning is in life. And you know, I, I didn't have a clue. I'll be honest with you. I didn't have a clue when I graduated high school what I wanted to do. I had a couple of things in mind. A couple of them was, well, I thought I wanted to be a game warden because I loved outdoors and hunting and so much. But then I was like, nobody likes the game warden. You know, nobody does. And I don't want to be chasing people down that have guns that can shoot back at you and stuff like that. You know, if you go to catch them out in the field and give them a ticket. So I kind of dismissed game warden. And then I thought, well, I want to be a forest, uh, forestry uh, and get into that and a forest manager in a ranger and I thought that would be good man that would be good and then I found out all the biologies you had to take in college and listen I aborted biology and took geology the study of rocks okay that's what I did and I actually got through two courses in studying rocks and because I didn't want to do biology and so I stayed away from being a ranger just because I didn't want to take biology ain't that crazy but that's how I was thinking don't think like this, Drew. Okay, don't think like this. But, you know, but then I had no clue. I'll be honest with you. No clue whatsoever that I would be a pastor one day. No. I mean, even the day God called me and I told my wife, uh, and she said, oh, I, I knew when I was young that one day I'd be a pastor's wife. I said, well, why did you marry me? Because I said, I'm glad you didn't tell me. Because if you'd have told me, I'd have never married you. That's the truth. Because I, I had, that's the furthest thing from my mind. I got out, and when I got out of college with my business degree in management, I ended up being a fertilizer manager, a fertilizer manager at a plant. And then that plant closed in the agriculture fields, and then I ended up being, everybody ought to do this, be a life insurance salesman. Boy, you're real popular at that point. You go to knocking on people's doors asking for money, don't you know you're going to die? Don't you know it? You better get you some insurance. You're going to die. It's not a matter. It's 100% you're going to die. And it's amazing how I'd go into homes and people wanted to buy the insurance for all their kids, but they didn't want to buy it for themselves. That's crazy. There's backward thinking, but that's, what, that's mainly what we sold was policies. Well, I want to get insurance for the kids, but what about you? And so <laughs> I did all of that. 
and I studied and I remember taking all those tests and getting all that property and insurance and all of that and casualty. I did all of that, never used it, but I did it. And then I was going to an insurance meeting one day in my old 1985 red Silverado pickup truck headed to Cordell, Georgia, listening to Dr. Charles Stanley on the radio. And he was preaching out of the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse, uh, in those verses, and it talks about being on the run from God. And he said, there's some man out there right now that's listening to this, that's going to make a decision today either to accept the call in their life or run from God. And he says, I tell you, don't run from it, run to it. And I, I listened to that, and I was going down the road and said, all right, Lord, I hear what you're saying, but i got to have a sign. And immediately, whew, a hawk went right down in front of the road, right back up. And I said, okay, Lord, that was my sign. And at the end of that message, I was at Buck Creek outside of Oglethorpe, Georgia, and I said yes to Jesus. And the first church I ever pastored was the closest church to Buck Creek in Oglethorpe, Georgia, was what God started. I didn't have all that planned, man. Drew, listen, there's a lot of things that's going to happen. Things happen. Life happens that you thought you might have planned. But very few people actually sit down and know exactly what's going to happen. But what we can know is this. Solomon said that... A lot of things are meaningless in life. He, you know, he lived a life to where he had everything. He had everything. This whole book takes you through a journey. The book of Ecclesiastes. He had wisdom, which he said it's just vanity to have wisdom because if wisdom, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And then he ended up having wealth. He had all kinds of wealth, great wealth, riches. He had the pleasures of whatever he wanted. And he had, the Bible even said he had wine. They would drink. He would party. He had all kinds of great parties. And he said, all of this is meaningless. He enjoyed it. And he had women. Man, he had so many women, like I've said. He had 300 wives, 700 concubines. And then he writes the song to Solomon and talks about this one, how special she really is. <laughs> Go read that sometimes. It's some pretty hot stuff in the book of Song of Solomon, okay? You teenage boys, don't read it. Don't read the Song of Solomon. I'm going to tell you, don't read it. Because it'll mess you up. All right? Now you're going to go home and read it this afternoon. I know what you will do. But you would go, is that stuff in the Bible? Absolutely. God created sex. And if he's the one that created it, he's the, he's the one that knows all about it. And boy, I've, I've used some of the verses old Solomon used to my wife. And she's just like a little puppy coming up to get the mail. I'm, I'm just being honest with you, fellas. There's some good stuff right there. But just don't tell your wife your hair looks like the goats descended down from Mount Gilead. Don't use that because that goes back to that time, all right? You know, don't tell your wife her hair looks like goat hair. That's what I'm telling you. But go read that book sometimes. It'll, it'll rock you. But anyway, he had the women, and that didn't satisfy him. He had all of that. And then he had whatever his heart desired. And he had all of it. And he summed it up by saying, it's meaningless. It's meaningless to have all of this. What is the purpose and the meaning of what life is really all about? I want to give you this. Uh, do you know that only, chance, only 5% 
of people in America have written down a purpose statement for their life. Why are you here? What's the meaning? Why are you, what's your purpose in life? Only 5% have written it down. Years ago, I was uh, in the mid-90s, I was pastoring Gwinnett Place Church over in, in uh, near Atlanta, Toyota in Duluth. <coughs> and I remember I was pastoring that church and, and there was uh, books that came out by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Life. Some of you may have read those books. But the Purpose Driven Life was a great read and it was really the reason I went to a conference down at a church called Cascade Hills in Columbus, Georgia. Bill Purvis is the pastor there and the church is a big church. But I've, I wanted to go because I didn't have a purpose statement. And it was one of those. I was in the 95% that didn't have it. And I remember going down there, stayed with my wife's aunt and uncle, and uh, saved on the hotel room and all that. I stayed with them. And I remember going to that conference, sitting down, and going, okay. And they took a step-by-step to getting a purpose statement for your life. And it was a process. It took me... It took me a few days to work through it. But I want to challenge you to come up with a purpose statement for your life. And you know, you need to have one. You need, I, I, I will say I came up with one. And I wrote it down. And, and I used the word uh, purpose and I used life to think of P and L. This was just something I need because I think of words like that. And I have a system. And also in business, being a management degree, I think of profit and loss. You know, profit and loss, P&L report. We, you get them if you're in the business world. You want to know if, if you got profit, you want to know if you got loss. And so I used the P&L, and I knew I wanted to have something I could remember. And then I wanted to have in my purpose statement, I wanted to include God the Father. And I wanted to include His Son, Jesus Christ. And I wanted to include the Holy Spirit. And so I said, those are things I'm going to have in my purpose statement. So I sat down and listen, in, in, in the night, I was thinking about it. And you know, when you're thinking about something, you go to bed thinking about it. God gave me something in the night. And as soon as he started giving it to me, I went and I started writing it down. And my purpose statement became this. That first P&L was to passionately live each day. To glorify my heavenly father. That was my first one. Passionately live each day to glorify my heavenly father. And so I knew that's the chief end and purpose of man is we are created in his image and we're created to glorify God. So I wanted to passionately live. Have I done that every day? No. I wish I had. But by having this as a reminder that I go to, it's a compass that keeps guiding me. It takes me back to why I am here to passionately live each day to glorify God, my Heavenly Father. And then the next P&L is to personally love. To personally love my wife, Angie, my children, my grandchildren with the love of Jesus Christ. Okay? See, it's one thing for me to have love, uh, phileo love, eros love, but it's the agape love, the love of God is what they need to see. And I can't manufacture that. All I can do is, is allow the Holy Spirit to produce that through the person of Jesus. So I, I want to personally love them each day with the love of Jesus. 
them, my children, my grandchildren. And then the final P&L is this, is to prayerfully lead his church, prayerfully lead his church to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, prayerfully lead his church. The goal of the church, what's the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. What's the great commission? To go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's my life purpose. And that, that might be a little long, but that's how I remember it. P&L. P&L. Profit and loss. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he has all the wealth in the world and he forfeits his own soul? You know? I've been tempted lady, lately to go and get me a lottery ticket so I can get the money for the land to build a building. I've been tempted to do it, but I hadn't done it. <clears throat> you know why? I, you know, I, I, nothing against those that might go and get them. Be because somebody asked me, where, how y'all going to get the money to build a church? And I said, we're going to get the money to build a church the same way we got the money to pay for the land. God. Through you. And through people. Working. Now, if one of y'all goes and you hit it big and you want to donate, hallelujah. We, we receive it in Jesus' name. We will. And you know why? Because I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. And some of y'all are going, okay, I'm, boy, now I'm going to go buy the lottery ticket and I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus now. That's what some of you, I do this because it's going to the church. Hallelujah. It's going to the church. But that's okay. But you know what? You know what? What about those that every day are going out thinking that life centers on riches? You know, life centers on riches. It's all about the money. And people that have money and have so much money, they're never satisfied. They want more. They want more, and they get up thinking about more. But you know what? Solomon, Solomon had wealth. He had wealth, more money than he could ever spend. I remember years ago, we were building our home. The man had a home across in the area near us, and one man rode by and talked to us, and he said, yeah, you know what? That man over there, he has more money than God. I said, oh, no, he doesn't. He said that. He said, that man has more money than God. I said, <laughs> I said no, he doesn't, because God has it all. And guess what? The market crashed, and that man had this huge, big home, and you know what? That man is not living in that home anymore. Because he lost it all. Think about that. And, the, and, and somebody had that to say about him. He has more money than God. I want to tell you something. Solomon had it. He was loaded. You know, if you were a gold digger, he'd be the one you would be going after. Because he had it. And he had it all. But you know what? He had it all. But he says, all is meaningless. All is meaningless. All is stuff. Meaningless. Hmm. And this is the wisest man to ever live, y'all. I think we need to be listening to what he has to say. Let's go through here real quick. When you create a personal purpose statement, you also determine who or what will be the center of your life. This gives us direction to everything that matters in our life. And here's the key to y'all. This is it. And, and this might hit you square between the eyes, but if it does, take it for what it is. Whatever is at the center of your life is your God. Did you hear that? 
whatever's at the center of your life is your God. Right there. Bullseye. God. Is it God? Is it God that's at the center of my life? And everything else flows out from him. Because what Solomon is saying is, I've had all that other stuff that some people put at the center of their life. And he's telling us, I'm telling you, it's meaningless. Now, as much as I love my wife and as much as she loves me, she is not the center of my life. I love you, baby. She loves me. You are not my world. And I'm not her world. Have you ever seen people put that on Facebook? Oh, baby, you are my world. Everything about you is my world. What happens if she dies? And she's my world. She's going to die or I'm going to die. And if one of us, when one of us do, and they're your world, guess what? Your world just fell apart. Your world just fell apart. As much as I love her and as much as she loves me, she knows she's not that sinner. And what if, what if it's your job? It's your job, man. That's all you think about morning, noon, night, go to bed, success, getting more th money, more things. What if it's that? Man, you could be like my former neighbor who had all that money. Oh, he got more money than God. He got the 17,000 square foot home. 200 acres. Gone. Gone. He's doing good now. He still loves the Lord. He was a Christian. He still loves the Lord. But he knows more than ever that all that's not the center of who he is. <laughs> he knows it. For sure. And what about, this is the tough one, what about a child? What about a child? That's the tough one. Because we as parents want to, we, we want to take that child and we want to make them the center. And if that child is the center of your life, you need to get them back in order where they need to belong so that they can be healthy and they can move forward in their own journey. Because, you, hey, the Bible's clear on this. If you don't train a child up in the way they go, if you do train them up, they will never depart from the ways of the Lord. But if that child is never disciplined, loved, they're the center of attention, they never do anything wrong, and the sun and the moon rises on them, and they're the center of everything, guess what? You raising a spoiled little, you know what, that's going to happen down the road. Have you ever been out in public and go, I wish they'd do something about that kid right over there? You just better be glad you don't have that kid right over there. But you know, you, I don't judge all of that anymore. I used to. That's on them. But I know and I can see it when kids have that. Or when parents have that by putting a kid there. And oh, here's, here's, oh, here's one that hits me. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Baseball. Golf. You name it. Whatever sport it is. Basketball. Oh, you're meddling basketball. 
What, what is it? And you know what? I've been, I've been the travel ball coach. I've been the little league coach. If people ask me, what do you know? I go, I don't know anything. I'm just a little league coach. That's my response. But listen, I've seen parents. I've been there. I've watched it. I've experienced it. To where people will take a sport and a recreation and they will make it the center of their life. What's going to happen down the road? What's going to happen when you hang the cleats up for the last time? What's going to happen when you finish? Listen, are y'all getting the point that Solomon's trying to make? If you put anything else other than who? God. God wants to be the center of your life. How do I know this? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity in man's heart. God's made us and wired us in such a way that he wants to be the center of everything. And listen, I've learned and discovered this. All of our lives are centered on something. It's a question of what is it? And when God is at the center of my life and, the, and life happens, and listen, life happens. It happens. Doesn't it, brother? It happens. I, I mean, one of my chances got one of the puppies. I went out there the other day. Mama had got mad at that puppy and bit that puppy through the lip. Okay? And my little, we call her Chunky Monkey. He named her Dakota. But little Chunky Monkey had a lip, lip out swollen like this, and he's coming to get his puppy. And I'm like, good Lord. Good Lord. That, the puppy looks, was so swollen. And I peroxide it, and I started putting ice on it to get the swelling down. But Chance took that puppy and didn't go, you ugly little puppy. Look at you. He took that puppy and loved that puppy. Took that puppy in. That puppy's sleeping in the bed with that boy on his Georgia blanket. Amen? All right, that's the Georgia dog right there. But anyway, I'm just telling you. But life happens. I was sitting there going, God. You know, I was, I, but I was thinking. I'm glad she didn't kill her. She could have. But Chunky Monkey was alpha female and Mama was just setting her straight. That's what she was doing. But she bit her right through the lip. So they had to go get her treated, but she's she doing good? Oh, good. But you know what? Life happens. That's a, that's a silly but real illustration. It's not silly. It happened. But listen, life happens serious for some of y'all. Serious stuff. Very serious. A job. Change. Plant close. Get a call. Relative died. Parent died. Or the calls I've gotten the last few weeks. Nine-year-old gunshot to the head. Eleven-year-old drowned in the lake. That's just where I've been working the last couple weeks in Bear County. Life is happening. And y'all, when it does happen, what's the center? What's the center? What's your core? What's your rock? And when it's Jesus, and it's when it's God, he's the sure foundation. Because you're going to hurt, and, and it stinks, and, and you've got to still go through it. But I'm going to tell you, it's a difference when he is the center. 
So I wanted to close up with this. How do you know when God is at the center of your life? Because you follow his way, his way of thinking. You go to his word and you worship. How in the world could a man named Job lose everything he lost in one day and he still worshiped? He said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's Job chapter 1. How can you know when he's not the sinner? It's the opposite of worship. It's worry. You worry. You worry about everything. You just get so worried that it gets you sick. And when you worry, then your focus is on something else other than centered on God. That's where it is. Your worry. Okay? That's, it's, that's a simple answer as I can give you. The Bible says do not worry. Do not be anxious about anything. But in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians. Philippians. All right. So think about it. Living a God-centered life on purpose with meaning is the only way to really live. And how do I know this? Because when you come to the end of the book, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I want you to look at one final verse and I close. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The conclusion. Don't you love it? He's wrapping it up. Take time to read through it all. But it, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. That sums it up, folks. Fear God, reverence God, be in awe of God, have God at the center of your life, and keep his word, his commandments, because this, this applies to every person. And if Solomon had all of that and he knew to give us the answer, listen, I want to listen to a man that was considered the wisest man to ever live. Fear God, reverence God, be in awe of God, and serve him and follow his word. Why do you think last week when we had baby dedications, we gave those little kids a children's Bible? Why do you think we're giving a Bible today to our graduates? Because his word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And when the wind and the storms and life happens, it leads us to the rock, the foundation the surety of what and how to go on. The other day I went out to the property and uh, Cody helped me get the bush hog fixed and working on the back of my tractor. Took my Kubota tractor out there and had that bush hog and boy, I was glad to be bush hogging over there on that 15 acres, our property. And you know what? You go, why did you do that? Because it needed it and I wanted to do it. But you know, I got the bush hogging out there and I got into them bigger sticks over there and I had to get out and that stuff's poison. I've been scratching for several days now because of it. But I got out and moved all them limbs and then a light came on. A light came on on my tractor that I'd never seen before and I didn't know what it meant. 
You know, I'm, I'm not that mechanically minded, but I was like, what does that light mean? Tractor kept working, bush hogging kept going, and I said, I'm going to keep it running as long as it's working. Well, that light ended up being one of them limbs that disconnected the, the little switch down to the PTO, but it kept running. And that light was the indicator, and the PTO is what you flip to start the bush hog, okay, for some of you that might not know that. But anyway, I went back home and cut the tractor off, and it wouldn't start. And I was like, oh, Lord, go over here and do this, and now my tractor won't cut. And now i got to cut my own grass, and I can't get my tractor going. I said, what is going on? And you know what? You know what I thought about? I said, where is that owner's manual? Where is that owner's manual to that Kubota so I can figure this sucker out? And I started, I started, and then I called a friend and get some advice. And you know what? After it was all said and done, I, I thought it was a battery. Went and got a new battery. It wasn't a battery. And then I said, I'm going to get new cables. Went and got the cables. It was the cables. And I figured it out and didn't. I'd never done it before, and I couldn't find my owner's manual. So I called a friend. Guess what, folks? When life happens, you know what the owner man, man, owner's manual is? It's right here. And a lot of times, we don't ever go there until we have something happen and when we need it. And then sometimes we can't find it. I can't find, where is that verse in there? Where is it at? I can't find where I need for this moment. You know what I'm talking about? And then we might phone a friend, or they call me, hey, preacher, you know every verse in the Bible, don't you? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, Bible answer man, they want, you, they want you to be able to answer. Tell me where that verse is, or they want to know where it is. Well, listen, isn't that the way we are? I Just like that tractor reminded me of something. When life happens and things get broken, you've got to turn to where the owner manual is, and it's the word. And the word will lead you and it will guide you. And Drew, no matter where life takes you, young man, is the anchor. The word is the word of God. And the word became flesh. And he died for you and he loves you. And he'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. If you end up in some place on the other side of the world serving this country, you will always remember, son, that God is with you. And he's always going to be with you, no matter what. Let's pray. Father, thank you.